so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. God is a holy God, and He is serious about us walking in holiness. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. The Bible says, woe to those who isolate themselves or who don't have anyone there to pick them up when they fall down. The gospel hope is that we believe in a God who is engaged with His Son. I have had to come to terms with the fact that I live in a broken world and I live in a broken body. What if the one thing that we're praying for God to take away is the one thing He's using to make us more like Jesus. Welcome to the ERLC podcast. My name is Trillia Newbell. I'm the Director of Community Outreach here for the ERLC. We are having a special series called How to Handle. What we're doing is we're looking at and thinking through difficult situations or just topics that maybe aren't talked about or are talked about only slightly in the church. And we want to put flesh to it. We want to think through it um, and how to care for people made in the image of God. And so I'm excited about today's topic because it's about singleness and singles are throughout the church and we need to learn how to love and serve and think through why it's even important that we're talking about this. So I got two friends to join me on the podcast. Megan Smith, she has an MDiv from Southern an event planner and a colleague here at the ERLC, and Patrick McGinty. He has a Bachelor's of Science for Texas A&M. He's also a colleague here at the ERLC. So Patrick and Megan, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. So we're going to dive right in. First of all, you're both singles. Do we call single people singles still? Is that a thing? Is that is that okay? Yeah, I think we do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wasn't, I was thinking about it and I thought, huh, I wonder if that identifier is a strange identifier or it's just what you are. Yeah, I think we still call each other singles or we lump it more into like a young professional. Yes. If you don't want to single people out, single singles out. Single singles out, young yeah. professional. I've heard that as well too. Um, so I want to ask Patrick, I'll start with you. Why is this important, or is this important, important thing for us to be thinking through, and specifically for you? Yeah, so it's uh, certainly something that is important to me, uh, considering the fact that I am a single and am in this stage of my life. But when thinking about the church uh, and the idea of singleness, I think it's important because a lot of times, at least in the churches that I've been in, I, I grew up in the Catholic church, but since I got to college and transitioned to Southern Baptist churches, 
one of the things that I've seen is that there can be a tendency to have a focus on youth programs, whether it be kids, middle school, high school students, college ministry, uh, and then programs geared towards families or young couples, and there has not been uh, anything that w- was really focused on singleness and this idea of singleness, which I think uh, in a lot of ways can make singles almost feel like uh, they're second-class second class citizens, citizens yeah. Yeah. In, in the church. And so uh, I think it's important uh, for the church to be thinking about it because undoubtedly you're going to have uh, people in your community, people in your congregations, people in your sphere of influence that are singles. And some of them are going to be really uh, excited about this season of life and thrive as a single. And there are going to be some other folks who uh, just want nothing more than to be married and be in a marriage. And so I think it's uh, important for us to, to think about and engage these folks who are in this season of singleness uh, so they don't feel like second-class citizens and so that we can encourage them and allow them them to use the opportunity and the time that singleness uh, provides them to better serve the church in ways that might not be possible if they were in a marriage. Yeah, no, that's really good. I, I think um, one of the things that I've heard from some of my single friends is that it's it's almost a second thought, or they're they're often clumped in as the babysitters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you're saying <laughs> Megan, <laughs> Megan can testify. Yeah. She's testifying, but obviously. I'm talking to two people, one who has a degree in from Texas A&M and one who has a MDiv. Obviously, the Lord has given you guys gifts beyond babysitting and caring for youth groups. So I think we want to make sure that we're thinking of singles in a broader category. They, they can lead in so many different ways in the church and also serve in different ways. And And I'm not – obviously, there's lots of people who – love serving in those areas, but we want to be thinking a little bit more broadly. What do you think, Megan? Yeah, I agree. I think um, the church has, like, I was thinking about just like the foundation of the church was built on milestones, like on birth and baptism and like even in the Catholic church, like christening, and those are all like milestones, but there's like singles don't fit into a milestone, but Hmm. they should still be celebrated. Like the season of our life should still be celebrated in a way that I don't think we know how to celebrate it. We just kind of get lost as it's a transition time. And so you don't fit in. Um, it's considered a season between the seasons almost. Oh, that's um, good. And not a phase of life that's really recognized. Well, I have a question about that because I think you're right. I, you have youth group, babies, mm-hmm. youth, college. Right. And then, or at least typically, and then marriage. <laughs> right. And there's this in between. How can we change that view? Yeah, I think just like broaden the having the church broaden their view of singleness and like what singles can do and who they are. Mm. Um, like you were kind of mentioning, like babysitting, or we think that singles can only fit into certain roles. Um, they can only do uh, childcare. They can only do youth, and you you can't do these certain things, or you can't attend these certain. Even They're as, always set up team. <laughs> yeah, you're always set up team and tear down because you don't you don't have to get home and feed your family dinner or whatever. Oh, you're single. Well, you just live by yourself. You don't have to get mm. home in a hurry. And we get lumped into those kind of jobs. And some singles love that. That's their passion. And they see that as, yeah, this is a season where I can serve in that way. 
day. Right. Um, but not all do. Yeah. Um, and so just thinking like, okay, how can I serve singles and put them in a place where they're really gifted, mm-hmm. not just where their season of life is defining them to be? That is excellent. And one of the things that you both have mentioned is this idea of time. Okay, singleness doesn't mean idleness. It doesn't mean that you have all these hours because most singles, if you're not idle, you have a job and you need to sleep. You're also limited. So I think that's an area maybe that we need to change. What do you think, Patrick, in in our thinking and how can we, how can you help encourage the church that we guard singles time? Yeah, I think it's something that's important to think about. I'm sure Megan might be able to testify to a similar feeling of almost being taken advantage of at Mm. some point in terms of your time and just a need will come up and you're immediately going to be the first person that's asked because you don't have a family and you don't have kids and a wife or a husband. And uh, all of that is uh, is certainly very true. I I mean, I think there's a balance that we need to find uh, because at the end of the day, we do want to protect our time, but we don't have those other commitments. And I, I think that you see uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, 7 is talking about some of the uh, benefits and blessings of his singleness on his ministry. And there are things that I'm going to be able to do now that I will not be able to do if I have a wife or kids because they're going to require some of my attention and time. So I think that uh, it's just a conversation that needs to go on. And I think more of an awareness factor from uh, the, the leadership or the ministry team leaders within the church and understanding that uh, we, we value uh, the commitment and the willingness to step up and serve from these volunteers, but l- let's not run them into the ground to where That's it's good. going to become more of a drag instead of a blessing and an opportunity to, to step in and use some of their free time to serve and advance the kingdom and the gospel. And so uh, I think it's a fine line in terms of recognizing what your singles and volunteers are going to have on their plate, Mm -hmm. but also enabling them and setting them up with opportunities to use that time that might otherwise be devoted to a family to advance the kingdom. So uh, I don't think you just look at it and say, okay, uh, we're going to treat them the exact same way we treat a a mother with three young kids. Um, But at the same time, you don't want to be saying, okay, we need you to do these seven things this week on top of your job, on top of your sleep, on top of all these other things that you're doing. So um, I think it's just finding that balance. And I think to do that, you've got to be aware of singleness, which is one of the reasons why I'm excited we're talking about this, because a lot of times I just think that uh, other needs fill your mind and you don't even think in these categories. No, I think you're exactly right. And um, one of the ways that I think we can do this is by relating to anyone in the church as family. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned you, we, you don't have a family, but you do. We are a family. And of course, you, you, your family may be gone, mm-hmm. like your biological family may be gone. But if we can relate to singles as a part of our family, a part of the family of God, then we can love them better. We can love you guys better if we can think of it in terms of, okay, you're, you're a part of our family. I want to put some feet to the family topic if for a sec, because one of the things that I, I know you've benefited, I think, Megan, from is people opening their home and bringing you in. And same with you, Patrick. Yeah. Bringing you into the fold of their family. And one of... What are some ways that, okay, that's one way, but what are other ways where 
singles can not feel like this second class citizen, but they can feel like they're a part. They're a part of the life of the church and their family. What do you think? We'll start with you, Megan. Yeah, um, I definitely have seen that. Just um, just the generosity of the church and um, just families um, thinking that my my family is not physically near me. Um, they're yeah. far away. And so people seeing that and bringing me in and, and not placing expectations on that That's like good. a family does. So um, like my own family does, they don't place expectations on my time with them that I'm going to babysit or I'm going to do That's chores good. the whole time That's or good. that, but that I'm going to come and I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to fellowship with them or I'm going to come after the kids are in bed and hang out um, is a really sweet thing to benefit as a single person and something that I would say as a whole, like I don't want to speak for everyone, but the people, the singles I know, they crave that. Mm-hmm. Um, they deeply crave that um, because most singles, they do want to be married and they do want to have families like that. And so they want to be a part of that um, and be mentored and grown in that way. That's like such a way that the church can do that is just by, by feeding singles and by just loving on them and inviting them in their home with no expectations. That's the call of love. To love without expectations is to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love um, yeah, and and it is in my family. They're not going to expect where well, there's some expectations. Obviously, there's sure. some, but they're not going to expect me. Okay, you need to after you do this. Now you're that means next weekend you're going to babysit. <laughs> it's not a payment system. Right. It's a family. Right. And it's not um it's not like a, a bank where we loan, but it's it's a family. And so I I think that is a beautiful picture of of just real practical how we can enjoy one another and serve one another and be friends. Mm-hmm. I think that's something really friendship also yeah. that we're not to always think we have to mentor, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're mentoring our singles. No, they have lots of wisdom. So we can be friends and peers. What were you thinking, Patrick? Oh, I mean, I think building on that, I, I think one of the best ways to mentor someone is to be a friend with them and let them do life with you. When I first moved out here to Tennessee, I spent eight months living with a family at our church. They were the only folks I knew here in Nashville when I made the move. They've got four young boys all under the age of eight, and uh, they accepted me into their home. And it was crazy at times, (laughs) but one of the things that I appreciated the most was just seeing life in its in its raw sense yeah. it, it there's not this need to put up a facade and just letting me walk through the ups and the downs the highs and the lows of those mm-hmm. eight months we were living together with them as their friend i learned so much Absolutely. Uh, and it, it just created this freedom to uh there there were some times where we sat down and had a, a deeper mentorship conversation sure. where it was a little bit more focused and directed but some of the biggest things i'll take away come simply because we were friends doing life together and so i think you hit a great point there on friendship and one of the things i'd say in terms of how can you love singles especially if you're in a place that has high turnover uh, in terms of people moving in and out of the area mm-hmm. i would encourage you and challenge you to pray about opening your home mm-hmm. uh, at least for a season as some of those singles might be trying to get settled figure out what a good roommate situation might look like, where they're going to live, mm-hmm. uh, and you you might have 
uh, bunch of young kids and you're thinking, how are we going to make that work? Well, uh, bringing someone else into your house might make that a little bit more chaotic, but you might also have the help that could come from just having an extra adult around the house. And yeah. uh, so I just encourage you to, to think about opening your house as a, a place for that single to live for a period of time. It was such a blessing mm -hmm. uh, for both me and the family that I lived with that I can't wait uh, for the opportunity to do that down the road when Absolutely. I'm married and have a family. You know, I had the absolute joy and blessing of living with a family. When I first got out of college, and even before I lived with them, I would go and um, she just welcomed me into her home. It didn't matter. She, she wasn't trying to impress. She <laughs> It would be crazy. She has six kids. So it would be chaotic, crazy, house messy, doesn't care. And it was so great. It was so great. I learned so much from just being with her, but I also felt like I was a part of a family. And I benefited from uh, getting to serve and love and, and be encouraged by her. So let's apply a little bit of the gospel to this. There might, There's probably someone who's listening, and you all alluded to it several times here, who is in a bit of despair. They they think singleness is short of hell, and they, they just hate it. They don't want to be single, and they maybe even listen to this and think, yeah, great, but I won't, where's my husband? Where's my wife? That's what I'm looking for. And how do you encourage the heart of someone who is not excited about their season? I mean, so I, I think you've got to go to the gospel. I mean, no one that is in Christ is single. And it's also, I think, important to remember that no one is married in heaven. Right. Uh, Jesus makes it clear uh, in the gospel, I think in Matthew 22 and uh, Mark 12, that we're not going to be married in the age to come. And so uh, I, I would encourage you in this season to anchor your loneliness in Christ, mm. uh, in, in the gospel. And, and I know that uh, can seem like a, a cliche answer that you know is not uh, I'm not understanding that the pain or the despair that you're you're going through um, but I would just really encourage you to, to seek out that gospel for hope and mm -hmm. uh, the, the Jesus the perfect man who came was never married and right. if marriage was a requirement to live a fulfilled life then we wouldn't be worshiping a savior who was not married. And so that's something that I come back to and find encouragement from. But I think the biggest thing is just remembering that as long as we're in Christ, we're not, we're not single. Hmm. That's encouraging. And I would just say, like, there's a, there's a lie that the world tells us and that even the church sometimes tells us that we are not complete until yes. we have a husband. And um, that's something that even I struggle with and, like, hearing that, like, I don't feel complete because if I see all these people around me who are, you know, being treated differently or I'm put at a lower class than them and I'm only given these jobs and these services in the church, I don't feel complete. And so I, I long for that more to be to be complete in marriage, but that's a lie. Like a there's lie. no, there's no spouse that's going to complete us, but that Jesus is the only one that can. And so just reminding myself and would remind listeners that this, like that only Jesus can complete you and you have to find that, um, completion first. Mm, that's really good. I, um, I wrote down as both of you were talking marriage idol. <laughs> I think that, um, so often, marriage can become an idol. And I'm not talking about just in the individual person. I think in the church, we can so um, highlight and and 
elevate. We can yeah. so elevate marriage that that obviously, you, if if you're not, then you could feel like the second class citizen, which we talk, or mm-hmm. incomplete. And so we have to be really careful as a church. Marriage is beautiful. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a good. It's beautiful, right. but it is not. Um, it, we 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 must be really careful not to idolize it. It's not the end all. And as you so eloquently said, Patrick, Jesus was single. And so, if we elevate marriage and idolize it and worship marriage and put put it as our standard for life and living, then we have said that Jesus was not enough. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. well idolatry. It's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's wrong. So I just, I'm so grateful for this. How can churches become equipped to better serve? Yeah. So I think uh, in order to become equipped to better serve the singles in your church, I would encourage you to talk to them, seek out that their so feedback, yeah. feedback and be be, have them be honest with you. What yeah. What do you want? How could we better serve you as a single? And those singles, they're, they're going to give you some feedback that might be painful. You might be thinking, wow, we haven't thought about that at all. Or it might be something, hey, you're doing really good here. Let, let's keep it going and bring in more singles. Uh, and, and so I, I think the, the biggest piece of advice I would give you to uh, equip your church is to go and be with your people who are in that season of life. If, if you've been married for a long time, you might not remember what that season was like. And so ask them, seek feedback. And then once you hear that feedback, try and make efforts to implement that. That's try true. and make them feel like you're hearing their suggestions. Because if you go to them for feedback and they give you feedback that is applicable and you don't listen to it, then they're really going to feel like second-class citizens. No, you're right. So that's just something to consider as you go and seek out their thoughts. And that's easy. <laughs> you can open your mouth. Yeah. It's a part of love, talking talking to our sisters yeah. and brothers. What do you think? And I would say just make no assumptions about single people. Like Just like we wouldn't lump two married couples together and assume their married life or their family is the same. Like right. No two singles are the same in, in right. what they want or desire or how they want to serve. Um, and just like seeking advice and how they want to serve, like Patrick said, just opening up the dialogue there. Um Let's say that singles want people who can relate to the, like, mm-hmm. a lot of times um, as singles, you talk to married couples who are like, oh, well, I just don't remember what that's like at all. And there's, it feels like sometimes there's nobody who remembers what it's like to I be remember. single. <laughs> no, <laughs> and so um, just that, like that kind of mentor relationship, like I remember and yeah. identifying with them, like we've been there we, and we know what it's like to be lonely apart yeah. from Christ too. And so how much we can relate there um, yeah. as well. So. Yeah, and I think having marriage, married friends who are honest, it, you can be lonely yes. in marriage. <laughs> you can find your, you can try to find your hope in your spouse. There's the the temptations don't necessarily change all that much. We just need hearts that are transformed by the gospel for us to be changed. We're still individual people. I think when singles and married people communicate more, we'll see that we're, we're kind of in the same boat, just trying yeah. to live for Jesus right. <laughs> and Amen. we need one another. And so I, I, yeah, I've so enjoyed this time with you both, Megan and Patrick. Thank you so much. And I'm so grateful. So thank you both. 
Thank Thank you, you, Trillia. Yeah. So you've been listening to the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell, and I hope you will tune in for the next couple of weeks. Thank you again for listening.